Welcome to the Real Estate Marketing Podcast. My name is Jerome Lewis. I'm your host for today. The Real Estate Marketing Podcast is a podcast where we talk marketing, tech, business, and leadership. We talk these things for real estate agents, real estate investors, and real estate entrepreneurs. The Real Estate Marketing Podcast is a podcast that has two purposes. Purpose number one, to educate and inform our audience and listeners. Purpose number two, Stephanie, to spotlight you, your business, your service, or your product in a way that provides value to you, including market exposure and content creation. With that, we have a very special guest, Stephanie Smith with the longest bio ever, y'all. Stephanie Smith is a persistent closer, dominating real estate with her quick thinking, strategic decision-making, and witty humor. And learning the importance of owning her own and an early age, Stephanie set out during college to buy her first home with her college refund check. After being shown about 100 properties, the home Stephanie picked unknowingly appreciated triple the purchase price in under one year. Amazingly for Stephanie, this new finding was the beginning of Stephanie's jumpstart into real estate. Prior to Stephanie's career taking off as a real estate investor, Stephanie was a certified school counselor within Pennsylvania for three years and in the Dominican Republic for one year. After being rejected for a a renewal of contract, as a school counselor, Stephanie began to reevaluate her passion and purpose in life. Knowing that she loved to help others, Stephanie sought out to devote her time and energy into the planning and execution of providing quality and affordable options for renters and home buyers. To date, Stephanie is the CEO of Wake Up Investments Academy, where she teaches others how to find, fund, and fix homes, as well as the owner and operator of Philly Made Construction a licensed and insured black and female-owned general contracting company. In addition to these two established companies, Stephanie is a pillar within her community wearing many other hats from being a licensed real estate agent, licensed wholesaler, Airbnb host, landlord, and investor. She has three college degrees, and in her spare time, she likes helping others hanging from trees and being on someone's beach. Stephanie, I'm glad you're here. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. You you have like the longest bio ever. I always tell you that, don't I? That's the mini bio. See, and that's just the mini bio, y'all. So <laughs> one of the things one of the things I like to do is like we read the professional bio and then I tell our guests to tell their story in their own words. So what I would like for you to do, Stephanie, is to tell that story in your own words. Like, how did you get into real estate? Take us on the journey. All right. So um, I went to a Rich Dad Poor Dad seminar. That's one way that I got into real estate. I learned a little bit about how they were talking about like mobile homes at the time. And I kind of took that concept and I didn't do mobile homes, but I actually purchased my first home um, from just going to an event. Uh, I knew that I wanted to leave my mom's house and not rent. That was like my goal. My goal was to leave my mom's house and never rent to own a piece of property because my mom always um, put that and ingrained that into my brain. Make sure you're always owning, owning, owning because it took her a long time to pay her house off and so forth. And that was like her pride and joy. Um, and I also knew that one, I was going to own a property. Uh, after I left my mom's house and two, I was going to what we know now today, house hack, but I just basically called it renting rooms back in the day. So, so, and how I got that concept was because I seen that my mom struggled to raise me growing up and with struggling financially, she actually rented a, a basement out her basement and she rented one of her rooms upstairs. So the basement, she rented to an older gentleman, uh, his name was Mr. Curtis, God rest his soul. And then upstairs, she rented it to a couple 
church going people. Uh, um, so we had this lady named Miss Mary. And I just noticed that since we had a four bedroom house, we definitely had enough rooms because it was just my mom and myself um, to be able to rent um, you know, that extra, those extra spaces out. And from there, you know, she, she told me like growing up, like, how do you think you have the things that you have and so forth? She was like, money just, you know, don't grow on trees and so forth. But she was always like, her heart. Like if she could, um, work with someone to make, uh, a couple hundred dollars because she was like referral fees for insurance or renting a room or so forth. She always wanted to make sure she had enough money to be able to put me in certain activities um, and just be able to survive. Because uh, she started out making like five dollars an hour at her job uh, that she still works at to today. Um, so that's how I got started in real estate from learning uh, and then also from watching my mom in a sense renting out her rooms. Okay, thank you for sharing that. So um, I have like a list of questions for you, but I want to dissect some of your story of what you told. Something that jumped out to me, what you said is learning. So education, and then you have an education business, right? You got, um, I forget what the name of it is, but you educate people. So what is, um, like, give me some advice. If I was brand new, some input on like, how do I get educated? Because there's so much information out there. Like, what are the first steps and how do I go about educating myself to be involved in real estate? So you would first have to figure out what part, what type of real estate do you want to be in? There's so many different avenues. Some people choose to uh, keep their nine to five and then jump into being a part-time uh, real estate agent. Some people dive in and want to learn the construction side because they like to do DIY projects around the house. And they're just like, hey, you know, I just want to jump in and figure out, you know, how I can also manage properties as well and work with my hands, too. Um, so you have to figure out what avenue you have construction, you have real estate agents, you have wholesalers. If you just want to sign a piece of paper and uh, make thousands of dollars off of si signing a piece of paper, uh, you also have uh, insurance title companies. A lot of people don't think about those things, but there's so many different avenues within real estate. So I would say, you know, learn about generally those different avenues and see which one suits you and the time that you have to be able to commit to it. After you learn about those avenues, then you want to just take one of those avenues and now learn more and master it. Um, how I got started doing full gut renovations, because I didn't just start out doing that, but how I really got started into scaling my business once I realized I was an investor years after I purchased my first house um, was that I started to go to networking events. So I never really considered myself actually having a mentor. Uh, I really just considered myself always uh, networking with different people. So, so many people were my mentorships or groups were my mentorships in a sense. Uh, so going to conferences, going to real estate meetups, uh, I would definitely encourage you to go to Facebook groups, type in your local REI, which stands for real estate investing group, type in your local REI, type in wholesaling um groups, type in real estate agent groups, and you'll be able to find uh, a network of people who are actually willing to help, willing to provide resources to be able to direct you on the path that you are trying to go as well. So that's kind of how I really, you know, got started as a new investor and with learning was going to these, uh, these networking events, these uh, real estate meetups, these groups, and really just learning from others. Thank, thank you for sharing that. So one of the things that um, 
we just had a conversation recently. I was like, Stephanie, how do you get like most of your deals? And you were like, networking. And um, one of the things I appreciate about what you just said is that it depends on what you want to do and your personality. And a lot of people say, oh, just go start wholesaling or, oh, just, just go start Airbnb. And there is a factor of what's going to work best for you. So with that, I would like you to uh, tell us what networking is. Like, what does that mean in your own words and how do you network effectively? Okay, so a lot of people think that I'm a people's person, but I actually prefer to be at home, sit on my couch. I know Jerome thinks probably the opposite <laughs> too sometimes, but I actually feel like I'm an introvert. Um, but uh, so it, it's very difficult and it makes me feel uncomfortable to actually go up to someone, say, hi, my name is Stephanie. What's your name? It took me a while to be able to gain like that kind of bravery in a sense because I just never grew up where people were just, coming up to me randomly saying, you know, hey, what's your name and so forth. Um, so networking to me is putting yourself in sometimes for me, an uncomfortable place, but putting yourself in a place where you are willing and open to uh, to to talk to others, to learn from others, uh, to also be a resource to others. So networking to me is just putting yourself in a space where you're interested in learning more and also providing more as well. So for me, what Jerome is speaking about is um, a lot of people find deals from so many different avenues. People say go on the MLS, go um, get on wholesalers, uh, real estate deals to purchase properties. So people may say, hey, go on the MLS, check out the expired list, uh, go on uh selling emails, wholesalers emails list. Uh, and for me, most of my deals actually came from networking events. So I'll give you an example. I went to um, a lending network event. So it was a lender uh, in Philadelphia. It's a popular lending group, Spring Garden Lending. And I got a deal under, uh, I got a deal for $33,000 from just meeting a girl at that, um, and, and taking the action actually uh, to, uh, to go and say, Hey, let's do a walkthrough like ASAP. And I got a deal for 33,000 and I just sold it for $310,000. Um, so I go to these networking events, Jerome and I were a part of a group called cash, cash. I forgot it now. Cash for coffees, cash and coffees. We haven't been in that group for so long, I almost forgot. <laughs> so we were a part of a group cash, uh, cash and coffees for so long. And at seven o'clock in the morning, we would meet every Saturday. And I got a deal for $45,000 from a young lady, I believe. She got under contract for $35,000 and she sold it to me for $45,000. And she had another person who knew the market, knew the area, but because her and I built a relationship, I offered that I would help her learn how to wholesale amongst that process if she went with me. She could have, one, got more money, potentially, um, and also she could have went with someone who already knew the market, had the lender down pack and so forth. But she said, I'm going to take a chance with you, Stephanie, because you're also going to teach me how to wholesale uh, properly. And I taught her, gave her all my contracts. I told her how I, you know, structure it. I also told her how I wind up wholesaling to myself, actually, to be able to get money back at the table. So she took that relationship building opportunity where once she made money too, she was able to seek some mentorship from me, uh, as well as to be able to help her see how 
I go with as an investor doing my deal from part A to Z, where I came to the table with no money. So she was able to have a valuable experience just from that seven o'clock meetup. And a lot of people get intimidated seven o'clock in the morning. But hey, I wound up getting that deal. Oh, wow. I wound up getting that deal. And once and I got that deal for 45000 I sold it for, I put a, about $50,000 into the property and sold it for $170,000. So definitely networking events for me, relationships have definitely been key uh, in my uh, business for success. Thank you. Um, so networking and going to the events, um, how many... Let me see. Um, you've done so, and I just, I'm just, when I tell you, I'm like, no, you're not an introvert. I'm just picking with you because I know, like, I'm an introvert myself. And people always tell me that because I'm willing to put myself out there. So I want to hear from you. Like, I think you said, I could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you said people have come up to you from you doing some speaking as well for deals. Is that is that correct? Or that people have come up to me? Yeah, because you've been speaking and they like brought you a deal or something like that. No. Um, yeah, people do bring me deal. People do say, uh, yeah, a lot of times, like, hey, Stephanie, since you're an investor, I want to run this deal by you, correct? I didn't say that, okay. but yes, they do. Okay, all right, don't worry about it then. Um, tell, <laughs> me, tell me about um, the deal that we were like involved in together. That's like another deal that basically is through networking, right? So tell us about that one. Yes, definitely. So, so Jerome and I did uh, a deal. Well, I did a deal. <laughs> Jerome basically he reached out to me because of the relationship that we had, and he said, "Hey, Stephanie, um, I have a lady for you that I want to send over your way. I worked with her for about a year, and it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. Uh, I am kind of impatient now, and I don't want to really deal with it anymore. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to deal with it. Maybe you have the patience to be able to deal with it, but." I don't anymore. Um, and he just sent me over the deal. He didn't ask for anything in return or anything like that because we're in the business to be able to help others. Um, and this lady did need help, but she also needed someone that was going to be patient with her. And I mean, a year is a pretty long time to be patient with someone. <laughs> um, and he just was like, I don't have it in me anymore, but I do know she needs help. It may not be today or tomorrow, but maybe you can help her. Um, I just don't want to put any more work into it. I have to move on. And I said, okay, no problem. I then, in return, worked with her, talked to her for about a year, I think. Wow. <laughs> it was probably like about eight months or so. Uh, we were going, you know, a little bit back and forth, like, hey, just following up and so forth. So follow-up is definitely key. Um, but I did, I'm not the best with follow-up. So she actually reached back out to me, actually, <laughs> uh, because of the impression that I left on her and the numbers that I had provided with her. And she basically said, is your offer still stand? Of course, the offer doesn't stand anymore. Time has passed and so forth. Um, however, I did purchase that property, I believe, for $45,000. I winded up wholesaling it to myself for probably like, I don't know, $80,000. I'm not sure. So I got some money back at the table. Um, but I purchased it for $45,000. And I then in return fixed it up for about 70 something thousand ish, 70, 80,000. And then I sold it recently this year, 2023. I sold it for 
8,000 maybe. My go-to number was 250, but with the market shift, um, I did have to take a lower cut, but I still was able to walk away with about 52. So my profit after I did some numbers was like around twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 maybe. Um, so it still wasn't a bad deal. Lessons are always learned along the way and so forth. Um, my speed time on completion of projects and hands. Uh, so a lot of things that I learned along the way, but also Jerome and I went out to eat one day and I just was like, Hey, here goes a thousand dollars or 15. I don't know how much I gave you, but like, here goes, you know, some money. And he was like, what's this for? And I'm just like, Oh, I just wanted to say thanks. You know, I got the deal from the lady and everything. And he was just like, Oh, I wasn't looking for anything, but thank you. He was like, you don't have to. And I'm like, Oh, it was a little tempting to take the money back because he was like, you don't have to. But I'm like, no, go ahead. Keep it. You know, we, wanna... <laughs> we definitely don't want to be greedy in the business. But at the end of the day, I make my work associate as well, you know, make money as well. So, you know, he gave me this deal. He wasn't looking for anything back in return, but I was able to bless him in that way. Like, hey, thank you. Thank you for sending that deal my way. I was able to help her. She's so satisfied. Uh, she loved the finished project. Um, I love to. Uh, keep in contact with the seller sometimes, especially when homes are sentimental to us. And uh, she did do a couple walkthroughs to see the progress and so forth, but she just didn't have it in her to complete that project. She wanted to complete it to live there, but she didn't have it in her after about two years. She realized, I just want to pass it off to someone else. Um, so relationships is definitely key. Uh, Jerome has sent me a couple other deals, you know, since then or whatever. But once again, Jerome wasn't looking for anything in return, but to be able to help uh, the lady, she was able to help. He, We were able to help. Thank you, Stephanie. Uh, one of the things that you said, because it's like all these different exit strategies and way you get involved in real estate and you do like you got your hands on like several different ones. But when you were just explaining that deal, I, I think people will find that interesting, find interesting the fact that you could pull a wholesale a deal to yourself. Okay. So can you tell us about that? Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? You want all the secrets. Ooh. Not all the secrets. <laughs> you don't got to give them all the, look, look, you don't got to give them all the secrets, but help them understand on a high level. What does that mean? Like you can wholesale a deal to yourself. Yes. So I, if I would have known what I know now, I mean, I've had a couple deals that could have grossed me like hundreds of thousands of dollars if I would have knew how to wholesale to myself. But basically, it's the same thing as if you were wholesaling to someone else. So with wholesaling, you have an AB contract and a BC contract. So an AB contract is between, oh, I haven't talked about this in so long. So let me see if I still got it in me. Uh, I used to teach wholesaling a while ago, but I stopped. But uh, so you have an AB contract. So that is between the seller and the wholesaler. And then your BC contract is between the wholesaler and the actual end buyer. So I have the opportunity of using another company uh, potentially and being the wholesaler and then also another company to be the end buyer. Um, so you just want to make sure there's some tips and tricks along the way. Uh, like one thing is, is that you can uh, make sure that, you know, you can either have another member on the other LLC. Uh, you can have different addresses and so forth, but you just want to make sure um, that there's just two different LLCs and so forth and you're not really as associated. Um, you can still be a member um, and everything, but without getting too deep and everything, I'm wholesaling to myself and then the lender is going to see my end price. So if I have enough room in a deal, which I don't go over 65% of the after repair value, 
So I negotiated to get the home to 45,000, but because my numbers were probably somewhere around 250, 240, I can't remember. I was able to maybe, I, I don't have a contract in front of me, but I was able to, let's say, wholesale it to myself for like 80,000 maybe or 79, I can't remember. So with that being said, let's just say it's like 30 something thousand floating. I'm able to take that 30,000 and say, hey, lender, I'm purchasing this property for $80,000 um, and they're saying, okay, and what's the construction? And I'm like, the construction is 70. So if the construction is 70 and I'm purchasing it for 80, that's 150 all in. I'm definitely at my 65% of the, well, under 65% probably of after repair value if it's at 250. So um, the lender's like, okay, no problem. You have room in the deal, and they're they're not questioning you. Typically, they don't question you when you're making thirty thousand. Well, if a wholesaler is making thirty thousand, but I did get questioned when I tried to make a hundred thousand. <laughs> uh, but we worked it out. They still gave it to me, but we got creative with it. <laughs> okay. They if, caught me on that one. But, but so like, you said like, that relationship with that lender. Yeah. So they were just like Stephanie. We know that you're a wholesaler and you're the end buyer. I was like, yeah, but they're like, what you want the money for? <laughs> so I told them, and then we worked it out. So, okay, so like you're like, I don't want to give away the secrets, and you you gave away a little bit, but that's still complicated. People still can't figure that out, right? So, how do like how can we reach out to you if we were interested in learning more or getting your guidance or your expertise on doing that particular strategy that you just mm -hmm. talked about? So my systems aren't the best. I would just say DM me on Instagram. I do have a course. Uh, it is called No Money in a Deal, like or something. I have a course. I have um, uh, a few courses. Uh, how to be able to sell a piece of paper and make thousands. Uh, if you want to learn how to wholesale. Um, but if you want to learn my No Money in a Deal strategy which is wholesaling to yourself, then just DM me and tell me where you're at within real estate. And we can just go from there. DM you on where, like what's your back? On Instagram. At my, life, my Instagram handle is at my life is real estate. Okay. And what about that email address down here? Oh, I don't, I don't know why, you know, this is my first time on here. You can email me there as well. Okay. This is my right. first time on here. I don't, can I change it to my name? You can, you can change it to your name if you figure it out. So um, you can try. While we're doing that, um, you have, you do different strategies, right? So like, how do you determine what an exit strategy, like which exit, which exit strategy you're going to utilize? Because you've done wholesale, you've done some flips, you've done some uh, Airbnb. I think you even done some rentals. Tell us your strategy for deciding on how you're going to exit a deal. With the market and how it's constantly changing, you can get into a deal and want to flip it and then you can wind up being stuck with it. So me personally, I definitely um, when I'm calculating the deals, I'm calculating them to make sure that they make sense with a flip as well as making sense with a rental typically. So um I'm looking at cash flow. I'm looking at what can I do with the property. I'm looking, I, I only like, for example, section eight if I'm going to rent out an entire house. So I'm looking at is my cash flow going to be uh, a, like a, a significant amount for me that is pleasing to me? Um, 
So for me, I just calculate both ends and I also make sure that I buy right. So that's the biggest key for me. So once again, a lot of people are like, Stephanie, how do you get these $33,000 deals, these $45,000 deals? Want patience. Patience is the biggest thing because I have friends who will say, oh, I just found this deal and it's $90,000. I'll be all in cosmetically, which I don't really do cosmetic rehabs. I'm not that person. So, oh, I'll be all in $50,000 and, you know, I'll get $200,000 for it. And then they wind up having a lot of issues. The market goes down. And then next thing you know, they did this like half behind, you know, <laughs> cosmetic rehab home and they can't even sell it. So now they need to rent it. Um, I'd rather just be patient and find the home that I like that's cheap. So I guess I'm just a, I'm just a cheap investor. Um, most of my properties are, they're cheap. They're cheap for what they're worth in a sense. So I don't mind spending a hundred thousand dollars, but I want it to be a $600,000 worth of a home. So other than that, $45,000, $33,000 properties, those are my go-tos. Um, and so I'm just patient. Thank you. You have another philosophy concept that you teach and it's called how not to flop your flip. Boom. You got a book about it, right? You got a book, yeah. you got a course. So help us understand. Um, first, where can we get that? How can we get how not to flop your flip? I'm putting you on the spot. How can we get that book or that course? How do we get that? So it's just simple. How to not flop your flip.com. www. Okay. <laughs> Um, and what made me write that book was because a lot of people struggle with contractors. And so a lot of people wind up flopping these properties that they're supposed to flip or they're supposed to burn. And I want to be able to bridge the gap. And once again, it comes back down to patience, you know, um, for example, I just had a student. She went through my whole mentorship. I taught her everything. And one of the things I teach people is, is that when you're vetting in contractors, just make sure you don't use Cousin Bobo. What you think she did? She used Cousin, she Bobo, used Cousin Bobo. And Cousin Bobo got her out of $12,000. Um, so now she's in debt, $12,000. Plus she had to hire someone else that wasn't Cousin Bobo now to come finish the property. So with that being said, you know, when you see that people are doing this and they're successful, um, make sure that you're coachable. Jerome is very big on that. You know, he doesn't take on certain clients unless they're going to be coachable in a sense, because he's the expertise in his field. And so you want to make sure that you can uh, work with somebody who's going to be coachable because we're all here to get them the results. They're choosing you for a reason to get you results. Uh, so, um, I was I, I struggled in the beginning with contractors, with knowing how to vet them properly. You know, they would say that they're contractors and come to find out you couldn't find your license online. So I was here to I'm here to be able to say, hey, I made these mistakes. Some of these mistakes have cost me six figures, but I'm here to help you so you that you can save those six figures in your pockets. Am I going to alleviate all of your mistakes? No. You know, is real estate a risk? Yes. But it can also be a calculated risk if you just listen and you're coachable. And you really, you know, follow someone who's actually doing it in this business, not somebody who's just doing one or two properties, but somebody who actually is doing it in this business. Um, so, yes, I would just say, you know, definitely the book is there to be a guide, a blueprint for how to not how to not, you know, sabotage your flip and potentially lose money along the way. So you want to make sure I tell you kind of like a triangle. You know, you're going to have your construction, you're going to have your finances in place, and they're going to have yourself. 
You're going to need to be able to make sure that you manage these two. And if one of these two is if one, sorry, these three sides, if one of these three sides is broken and it's just not going to work. So you need to know your numbers. You're going to need to know, you're going to need to know your numbers as an individual investor. You're going to need to know your construction, your budget. You're going to need to make sure that if a lender allows you contingency, that you have that, um, my lender doesn't allow contingencies anymore because we should really know our numbers. So we shouldn't need a contingency plan. And then lastly, making sure that you have a relationship with your lender as well and knowing the ins and outs. I have a lender that if I don't finish the project within a year, he sometimes waives my fee so that, you know, I don't have to pay thousands of dollars extra um, on the money that is still owed until I sell it or until I burn out and so forth. So you want to make sure that you build those re good relationships with lenders and know their terms and so forth. Thank you. You so you mentioned that student, the student that used cousin Bobo, and I understand it, right? Like come like outside looking in, it, it's kind of you can I can empathize, right? Because people are like, I'm gonna use cousin Bobo because he's gonna hook me up, he's gonna give me a cheaper price. A, as an example, like how do you help people understand that by going and try to be cheap or cut corners or use cousin Bobo, how do you help them understand that's the wrong way when they're like their mindset is set that I have to do it this way? Like, what is some, like, what's some, I don't know. You know what I'm asking. It's really hard. You can give them, for example, in my mentorship, I can give them case studies. I can, mm -hmm. you know, let them know from my mistakes. Um, they have to be willing to trust me and trust the process, right. I feel like, too, in order to really listen and be receptive. A part of me felt like, did I let that student down a little bit? I, like, it made me feel like that a little bit. Like, did she not hear me in the class when I said this specifically? So next time, do I need to really say it like three, four times to ingrain, like, implant it in their minds and everything? Because I really felt, you know, bad. Um, but once again, it's a learning curve and she learned. And now you know not to do that again. So I taught you, you didn't listen. You... Um, you finished the property. I helped her sell it. So we sold it. We had a struggle with it, but we sold it. I never told her to purchase that property on top of that. I said, when you find a deal, send it to me. And I'm just, I'm just going to say the name. Should I say the name? It's, it's a wholesaling company. Anyway. You can it's a say that name. Yeah, you can say the name. I do not really like New Western in yeah. Philadelphia. <laughs> they asked for like $10,000 earnest money deposit or like a $40,000 house. Um, and it can be bad for new investors. So yeah. she did not consult me in the beginning and she purchased a home with them. She told me that she told me, hey, I found a deal. She sent it in a group. But then when I realized who it was with and how she already had put her $10,000 down, when I told her I didn't think that it was a good deal, I said, I don't know where you pulled your comps from, but you didn't. Where did you pull your comps from on top of that? Um, so I just felt like don't be eager. If I can give you any advice, don't be eager. You're going to see a lot of deals that are going to come across and you're going to think that, they, oh my gosh, they look great, but really do your homework. Don't put down, if you're a new investor, don't put down $10,000 earnest money deposit. Like, I mean, unless the house is worth six, $700,000 and you're getting it for, I guess, $100,000. <laughs> like, you know, but don't be eager. Don't be eager to uh, just a lot of new investors are eager to get something under, under contract. Once again, patience for me is the name of the game. And that's why I'm not going through foreclosures. That's why I am, you know, thank, I thank God that I have been successful during COVID, that I was able to tweak my strategy as well if I couldn't sell a property because the market shifted, you know, kind of unexpectedly, you know. Um, so I was able to tweak my uh, 
my strategy. Also, once again, building relationships. I was going after a nine unit property. I was going to switch it to a nine unit property. I was getting it for $150,000 on Germantown Avenue. And my lender told me no. And I'm like, this lender always comes through for me. Never tells me no. He said, Stephanie, the I just went to a conference and the market is going to shift. And it's not that I can't fund you. I'm afraid that you won't be able to burr out of it. And, and he was right because a lot of people are not counting commercial properties now as that cash flow because when COVID hit, all the commercials shut down. So they're only going to calculate the six units above and not the commercials below. And he said, I'm not going to fund this because, um, you know, he just said, I don't think that you'll be able to burn out. Now, would Stephanie have made it work? Stephanie would have made it work. It was $150,000 for a great property on Germantown Avenue that I was going to go up and do all the stuff. But I appreciate the, 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 the relationship. He could have told me yes, and he could have took my money, and I could have been in a foreclosure. Anything could have happened. But interest rates have went up. I probably wouldn't have been done that property still to this day. So now I would have been burning out for 10%, 11% uh, <laughs> on a cash-out refi once I completed the property. It, it could have been a mess. So valuing those relationships, being able to be coachable and receptive to what others are saying is going to be key in order to be successful. I also asked Dan about the property and Dan said, maybe you should listen to them. You know, maybe, you know, they're on to something. And lo and behold, um, a lot of people are having issues refinancing out. Credit scores have gone down. <laughs> Excuse me. Credit scores have gone down. So, so many things have changed that have affected people in being able to successfully complete their exit strategy. And so that's Thank why I'm patient and uh, purchase and buy right. So you, you said, I, I want to challenge you because you said, don't be eager. And I don't think that's what the real issue is. I think people should be eager, but when they, I think they should listen to their mentor or their coach or that expertise that they're getting from someone, right? So you were eager and you met and you hit a mentor or a coach or a person that was lending to you. They said no. And you said, okay, I'm, I'm listening. And you reached out to somebody else. They said, you should listen. And you said, okay, I'm listening. So I don't think the eagerness is what's getting people. I think rejecting and not receiving input and information when a mentor or coach or some teaching entity is telling them it's probably not best that you do that. Yeah, and I can agree with you because, you know, I can agree with you on that because I did uh, take on a deal during COVID where literally it went on the market and within like 20 minutes that I seen it, I jumped on it. I was super eager, but I also did my numbers in my mind and I knew that the deal was going to work. So I was super eager in getting that deal in the contract. And within the first 45 minutes of it being on the market, I was at her house because it wasn't far away. And she had another buyer there, but she did go with me because of um, a, a cultural reason. <laughs> and uh, we got it under contract literally in 45 minutes. And also she was she's with my same brokerage. So she was the seller and just talk about relationships and so forth. Yeah. Um, so she did go with me um, and I bought this property and I was eager, but I knew my numbers because I learned along the way. So I can see where you're coming from with that. Um, if it's yeah, a good deal, I want you to jump on it, but I also want you to remember, yeah, what you learned along the way. And then also if your coach is telling you, you know, hey, hey, 
reach out to me. Let me know, you know, uh, about this deal before you sign the dotted line. Take advantage of that. And so, yeah. All right. Thank you. So you mentioned, I was trying to figure out, I was like, I want to get back to like being a woman and a contractor and you mentioned culture. So um, help us understand like why you train, like you're a woman contractor and you had some issues with like that. Help us understand why you decided to become a contractor as a woman. And then like you were saying in your bio as a black woman, like take us through on that journey real quick and help us understand that shift. Okay. So I chose to be a contractor because I was let down by a contractor. Um, I had provided him deadlines. He told me he was a contractor. He gave me his card. Um, he gave me a budget. Uh, we didn't really veer off of his budget with negotiations or anything. So it wasn't that he could, couldn't complete the job. It was just that he um, lowballed, I guess, himself in a sense, um, where, and he didn't have the, he didn't have a team come to find out to actually complete this job that I hired him for. So also, also, I used the lender who let me down as well. It was a three style. It was just why you have to know your lenders and build relationships along the way. And I would never use that lender again as a new investor. Um, I didn't know my numbers when I got into this deal, uh, but you learn. And it was a three story property, about 3000 square feet. He told me he could do practically a full gut renovation minus the systems. Well, minus the HVAC. We already had HVAC, but for like fifty five thousand dollars which is unheard of for a three-story, you know, property, gutting it all out and so forth. Um, so I realized later on that his workers were sitting around. He wasn't there. Come to find out, they're like, we just met him today. He pulled us from Home Depot. <laughs> um, and so they were like snitching on him. And then uh, he, I gave him money for materials and so forth. And he wasn't having all the materials on site. So he's supposed to be paying these guys and they're not completing the job effectively. Uh, he missed deadlines when I was supposed to have people moved in on like one of the floors while he worked on the other ones. So then I learned through a group that I was a part of, like, hey, you can look up their uh, license number to see if you're licensed. And so I asked him, did he have a license? He showed me like the next day or so a commercial activity license. And I'm like, that's not a business license, though. Like, do you have a contractor license? And he was like, this is it. And I'm like, no, it's not. So I don't know if he was like doubting my skill set or my ability to find out if he was a contractor or not because I was a woman. But I did learn that, you know, he couldn't be found in the system through his company, through his name and so forth. Um, so I did fire him from that property. And it was a learning experience uh, to you know, set up a folder, which I teach my students to have certain things in your folder when you are hiring a contractor. It's very important because if anything goes wrong on the property um, and you don't know who this person is, if you need to run up on somebody to get your money, <laughs> you know, nothing violent. But still, <laughs> just to show your face and they look at a ghost like, oh, my God, I've seen a ghost. You know, you, you know, kind of like, you know, you know who they are, because sometimes we can hire people and don't really know who they are, where they live, you know, where their business is established yet, if they have a business, um, if they have insurance. There's so many different things. So I decided, hey, I can I was managing him and he wasn't getting the job done you know, and so forth, but I was staying on top of him with deadlines and so forth. Why don't I just try to find people that can finish this job site out um, and, you know, I can manage them. So I learned a little bit about how to be a contractor because I, I learned how to be a contractor because now, uh, for me, a, 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 defining a contractor is someone who is managing uh, the general 
laborers in a sense, the general workers in a sense. So you, you have tradesmen, tradeswomen, and they're doing the work. But, you know, sometimes on these bigger projects, when you see the guy or the girl come up with khaki pants on and a white T-shirt, they're typically like the project manager or the contractor and so forth. They're not the ones that are typically getting their hands dirty. Are there contractors that get their hands dirty? Yes. But when you think about these larger companies, you know, there's a whole system. And the actual contractor and the person that's on their name, they're typically not getting their hands dirty. Um, so I said, you know what? I could do that without getting my hands dirty. I winded up getting my hands dirty, learning how to demo, learning, you know, low bearing walls. What's a low bearing wall? What's not a low bearing wall? How to take it out. Had to get a techno shot. So I definitely was getting my hands dirty and so forth a lot in the beginning. But now I'm at a point where I have uh, steady people, uh, tradeswomen and tradesmen that I do respect. Um, and I do like their work and they're integral that I can trust them to help me to seed and finish in the project. Um, it's very hard to find people and you have to go through sometimes a lot of people until you find those go-to people. But once again, coming back to networking, being a part of uh, groups like Bragg and so forth, I'm able to, you know, say, hey, let me go and let me see who has an architect who has an HVAC guy, who has a plumber, and you can go into these groups and people will recommend people that have worked for them as well. Uh, so I, once again, I decided to become a licensed and insured contractor because I knew that I could manage people. And um, yeah, it's a misconception that, you know, women can't be a contractor, you know, it's a male dominating too. Women can't do these things. Women aren't strong and so forth. And I'm pretty strong. I've thrown several trash bags out of the window into the shoots and so forth. But uh, definitely, you know, it doesn't matter man or woman, you can get the job done if you have the mindset that you can do it. Thank you. So would you, would you say that, because um, right here in your bio, it's insurance black and female owned general contractor. Would you say that adds yeah. to, does it give you an advantage or disadvantage? Does it add anything to what you're doing? Could you talk about that? Yeah, so it can. So I am still a small construction business and I choose to take on the clients that I do want to take on. But if I did want to get federal contracts and so forth, it does it does help to add to with getting those certifications um, because you can get uh, funding as well from the government. And then at times they have a certain quota that they may need to meet to hire a certain ethnicity or a certain gender, you know, uh, owned business and so forth. So it does help if you are going for those larger contracts as well. All right. Thank you, uh, Stephanie. I appreciate you so much. If you could. Um, all right. Um, tell us. Let me see. How can we learn more about you online? So the only thing that I have going on right now, as far as uh, reaching out to me or learning just about real estate in general, I have a lot of videos on my Instagram. You can uh, go to my handle at my life is real estate because that's what my life is. Real estate. <laughs> Okay, and if you could close us out, this is what I was trying to ask you before. If you could close us out with one word, no explanation, what word would that be? No explanation? No explanation, you just gotta pick one word. Patience. Patience. All right, uh, Stephanie, this has been excellent. I appreciate you so much. I'm gonna close this down and I want you to sit here so we can wrap up. Thank you, Stephanie. Let's see.